0: Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know him more. We all know someone who has been caught in darkness, and maybe that someone today is you. I want to read to you from a godly man's prayer journal who is caught in darkness. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You've put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends You've made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I've suffered and been close to death. I've been born with terror and in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You've taken me from my friends and neighbors. Darkness is my closest friend. I mean, how difficult is it to hear someone pour out their darkness when everything is dark and listening to it? Especially if the person pouring out the darkness is supposed to be someone who's bigger than that, stronger than that, a spiritual leader. I mean, this is a godly man, and these words are published in the Bible, which makes me shake my head because I go, really? really? This is in the Bible? I mean, it has no happy ending. He doesn't say, God, I'm full full of darkness, but I trust you, God. You're still good. No, did you hear how he ends his psalm? Darkness is my closest friend. How bad do things have to get when you, in your prayer journal, write, darkness is my closest friend? How dark is dark? How bad Does it have to get? And I kind of feel like the editors of the Bible must have missed this. Because like, you're not supposed to say these things if you're following God. Like, you can't say, I mean, you might think it, you might whisper it to yourself, but there's no way you're publishing this in the best, most well-bought book in the world that's about God. You want it to return, happy ending. There's now no condemnation. I trust you, God. But instead, darkness is my closest friend. It must be an editor's mistake right? And yet I'm so glad it's here because I've felt this way. I have felt and had seasons of time where there is no light and I feel closer to darkness than to light. I have experienced moments where God seems so far from me and Satan feels so close that anything good is far and distant and impossible, but only things that are bad are close By And so I'm so glad that this is actually a psalm captured in the Bible for you and me because it validates for most of us that darkness and despair and depression is real even for the follower of Christ. And so we're in this series learning about wisdom, calling it living wisdom. We're kind of looking for wisdom for every season and circumstance of life, including Darkness, and so maybe you're in a season right now where you feel this dark. Maybe you're coming out of a season of darkness. Maybe you can remember a season of darkness in the past. Maybe you go, oh never, I would never have that problem. FYI, watch out, because this stuff is real at varying degrees for all of us to go through seasons of darkness, depression, despair. And as followers of Jesus Christ, We want to live wisely in every circumstance and situation. And so this psalm actually gives us tools, how-tos, to be able to navigate the darkest moments we experience. So join me in Psalm 88. If you have your Bibles, turn it on, open it up, Psalm 88. And as you find your way to Psalm 88, let's pray together. God, I thank you that your word captures every aspect of light and darkness, of goodness and of evil, and it applies truth to every circumstance we find ourselves in. So the person watching online right now or here on campus that feels completely and utterly desperate and stuck and alone, I pray that your spirit would come and give light To the person that remembers what that's like, and they're so glad they're not there right now, I pray that you'd give more tools to help when the next time comes. To all of us, help us to be open to hear from you, and trusting that you will provide the exact message and medicine and help that we individually need. So speak, God, your sons and daughters are listening. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Psalm 88 is described by some as some of the darkest, if not the darkest emotions expressed in the Bible. It's written by a song leader, a spiritual leader in Israel, and he speaks these things, and the community says, hey, we should capture these words and sing this as a song to educate the family of God in how to deal wisely with darkness. We don't know the reason why this man is overwhelmed, But we do know he's a child of God. He starts and adds in there ways that he knows God is the source of his salvation. He's literally wailing to God, filled with pain and grief. He compares himself throughout the psalm to a dead man. And it seems like God's turned a deaf ear to him. The more he cries out for help, the louder God's silence becomes and he finds no relief. So you find in verse 6 this very raw emotion spilling out in blame. He says, you have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You did this to me, God, is his claim. It's your wrath coming over me in waves of pain, and I am drowning in a sea of despair. Has it ever gotten so dark for you that you blame God for the darkness, for the difficulty, where the only thing that's light to you is you have to have someone to blame? How could you do this, God? And you shake your fist at him. Why are you doing this to me, God? That's what the psalmist is doing. And I want you to see something in the text here in this is often in the Psalms. In the book of Psalms, you'll see this repeated right after verse 7. There's a little word in the text or a subscript. You might see a little notation that says the word silah. And that's an important thing to notice throughout the Psalms. Silah means stop. It means as you're reading this Psalm, as you're thinking about it, stop. Pause for a moment. Don't move on so fast. Reflect. Think. Pause stop. Right after verse 7, the psalmist has been hit with wave after wave of grief. He feels overwhelmed. He's crying out to God to save him. He's about to drown. He feels selah, stop, rest, think, and you'd almost wonder if at this moment he's going to turn the psalm and go, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All good things have come to those who wait. It's going to be okay. But it doesn't do any kind of happy ending in this moment. You'd think if he was really godly, he'd say, all this stuff is terrible. Selah, reflect, change, course. Instead, verse 8, you've taken from me my closest friends. And you've made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day and I spread out my hands to you. Just when it couldn't get any worse for him, the pain is real. He feels completely alone and now he says, God, you've taken my friends and you're silent. I spread out my hands to you. Where are you, God? What are you doing and now I'm alone, I have no one, I have no one, I have no one, I don't even have you. He's in such a deep, dark spot. He equates his life to death. He looks at the rearview mirror of his life, he looks at his childhood and goes, there's nothing but death and darkness in my past. He looks at his present moment and goes, there's nothing but death and darkness and difficulty in this moment. Therefore, when he turns to his future, he looks and says, there's no way there's anything forward that's more than death and darkness. Everywhere I turn, past, present, future, dark, 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 alone, alone, alone. Where are you, God? Verse 16, your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You've taken from me my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Have you ever felt this way? Where you're drowning in a sea of pain. You call out to God and he's silent. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. Everyone's left you. You're alone. You've got nothing, you have no one. The psalmist's pain is so acute, I just use my normal rational imagination, I can't imagine he isn't suicidal. I can't imagine in this moment he hasn't thought of ways to take his life. Because when you feel like this, that's what you do. That's how you think, that's how you feel. Even death seems like light to you. And you wonder where is God in this depression, in this despair, in these suicidal thoughts or actions. And some would say that if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't feel this way. If you're spiritual, if you're following God, if you're living for Him and serving for Him and honoring Him, you can't. That kind of feeling only happens to the disobedient, the sinful, the evil. Really? Remember Job? the most righteous man, the Bible says, of his time, and in an instant, he loses his entire family and all his possessions, and he cries out to God in anguish. Does God hear Job's cries? Or how about Joseph? His brothers at a young age sell him into slavery. He, he's faced injustice, injustice for a decade. He's in a jail cell. He's in prison. He's enslaved. And he's crying out to God over and over and over again for 10 years. Does God hear his cry? Did he do anything wrong? Or Jonah? I mean, Jonah does something boneheaded, stupid, gets swallowed by a fish. He confesses his sin to God in the belly of a whale. God hears his cry and he gets vomited. And what about gentle Jesus? Our Lord, accused, abandoned, tortured, killed, engulfed in so much pain, he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God ignore Jesus' cries? Did Jesus do something wrong? Did he do something he should deserve to be treated this way? So you have this variety of biblical characters, including the psalmist who writes this, who have experienced darkness at such a degree and they're crying out to God and it's as if God doesn't listen, God doesn't care. Should you and me be surprised if the same thing happens to us? And each individual who goes through this agony, this despair, this depression, perhaps even the wish to die, Does God care? When they cry out, does God hear? Does God act? Is God doing something? Is he asleep at the wheel? Where are you, God? And the answer is, God hears, God cares. And when you look at these biblical characters, you know that God hears, God cares, and God answers. He doesn't answer when they want him to answer and he doesn't answer how, necessarily they want him to answer, but he hears, and he cares, and he's good, and he's present, and he's real, and he's not ignoring, and he's not asleep, and he's not silent. He's God, bigger and greater and gentle and kind and close and present even in the midst of the greatest darkness and pain. And one of the things that the Christian Church of modern America has done is ignored these topics and said, just believe enough, just read enough, just have faith enough, and you'll never experience these things. Really? Really? And we haven't talked about it, and we've been afraid of dealing with passages like this because there's no happy ending. But this is real for you and me, and if we are going to follow Jesus in this day and age, we must know how to deal wisely with darkness, the darkness that rises up inside each one of us. And maybe it'll never be this extreme, but it will come, How do we as followers of Christ handle the darkness, the depression, the difficulty we face? Here's a handful of things I learned from this psalm and from the Bible of how to handle darkness. Number one, express it. Don't hide it, don't stuff it, don't shove it, don't numb it, express it. And when this psalmist expressed his feelings, his community goes, we gotta capture that and make a song out of it to teach people how to deal with this. Express it. When you bring this darkness into the light of day, rather than letting it rattle around your mind and heart and consume you, when you bring this darkness into the light of day and let oxygen and reality touch the darkness you feel, there is a portion of light that comes into your life as you express it. There's a portion of lightness that comes. When you speak your dark thoughts to God, he can handle it. When you write your dark thoughts to God, he can handle it. When you talk a trusted friend about your dark thoughts, they can handle it. And the way this guy starts his expression of darkness is instructive. Verse 1, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. So under the umbrella of all this vomit of his darkness, he's like, God, I believe you. I trust you. I know you're here, but I gotta vomit this up on you. Take this from me. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So you throw up on him your feelings, whatever darkness, as if you can hide it from him. As if he can, doesn't see what's going on or doesn't know and understand in the person of Christ everything you go through. You bring it to him and you expect, express it to him and you get it out of here and you let oxygen and reality touch it. And when that happens, it brings just a little bit of light. Secondly, you com- your complete self impacts your darkness. Your mind and your emotions are very powerful things, all of us, right? Our minds and our emotions are powerful, but they're connected with the rest of us. So we're, we're made up of many different parts, right? We're emotional, mental, sexual, relational, spiritual beings. And so where there's darkness in one area, it touches everything else, the darkness you feel intersects with every part of you. So if you're physically exhausted, will you feel more or less darkness? If you're relationally lonely, will you feel more or less darkness? If you're sexually broken, will you experience more or less darkness? If you're spiritually lost, will you feel more or less Darkness. Do you see how your complete self impacts all of the darkness you feel? And so when you're seeking to be healthy in all areas, that informs all areas. But if there's an area in your life that's exceptionally dark, it's going to impact the rest of you. And when I interact with people that are struggling with depression right now, One of the questions I ask is, how are you doing physically? And what I find is people that are depressed, very oftentimes they're sluggish, sleeping, and they're eating wrong, and they're not exercising, and then that's contributing to their darkness. So there's an aspect of, if you're feeling dark, go for a walk. Eat vegetables, (laughs) right? I mean, that sounds so dumb, but it's so important to move your body and to be healthy. It's the simplest thing you can do to bring some light into your life because every part of me is interacting with every other part of me and seeking health in one part will bring health to other parts. Your complete self-impacting darkness has also something to do about knowing your personality Right? So there's something about all of our personalities that, and rhythms and sort of normalcy of life that adds to or subtracts to our darkness. Do you know if you're an introvert or an extrovert? Have you taken an Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or some of these personality tests? These tests and understandings help us to understand our full selves. There are normal and natural rhythms of our lives and we must be students of ourselves to understand ourselves because then when darkness comes, we'll know what to do with it. But if we ignore those things, ah, that doesn't matter. No, you should, I should know myself. Know myself. Do you know the fictional character Winnie the Pooh? Have you heard of him? So Winnie the Pooh is what? Super happy. But he's got a buddy. Do you know his buddy, Eeyore? All right, if you don't know Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore Pig, uh, what is his name? Winnie the Pooh? If you don't know him, you should Google it. Do it right now. You won't distract me. Google Eeyore. And what you find is Eeyore is Melancholic. And Pooh Bear is happy all the time. And somehow, in modern America, we bought the lie that when you come to Christ, you're going to become Pooh Bear. That's wrong. (laughs) If you are Eeyore and you come to know Christ, you are probably going to stay melancholic Eeyore, but you don't have to be depressed. And the body of Christ needs Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Not everyone can be or wants to be happy all the time. Can I get an amen, right? It's like you don't have to be bouncing off the wall all the time happy, and you also don't have to be depressed. But if you don't know yourself and your personality and who you are, that impacts your darkness. Know yourself. Understand your rhythms Invite God to bring health into all areas, but don't think that who you are and your personality type is gonna change as a follower of Jesus. You're going to become the best version of you, not somebody else. Sorry, Eeyore. Third, don't overestimate your feelings and don't underestimate Satan. My feelings lie to me. Do your feelings lie to you or do they always tell you the truth? I don't really feel like cutting the grass today. I'm tired, it's hot. As if tomorrow's gonna be any easier when it's a little bit longer and a little bit wetter. I just wanna eat seconds and thirds as if the scale's not gonna go up and I'm not gonna feel bloated. Our feelings lie to us and if that's true in little ways, what about big ways how our feelings lie? lie to us no one cares about you everyone is against you nothing will ever change the abuse that you're experience is your fault the world would be better without me these are lies This is not true and yet we follow our feelings and we overestimate what we feel and let those things dominate our mind and that becomes the darkness that we live and walk in. Don't overestimate your feelings and don't underestimate that we have a real enemy. Jesus calls him Satan in John 8. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When Satan lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that phrase, father of lies, means he reproduces. Satan reproduces, and he's reproducing lies inside your heart and mind that keeps you and me trapped in darkness. So we see the epidemic of darkness. We see an epidemic of evil. We see an epidemic of anxiety, fear, and suicide right now in America and in the church of Jesus Christ. Is there maybe something more going on at another level, at another surface than just what we can see? Jesus says, yes. We have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and he is reproducing lies. What does that mean? Some little spark of darkness comes into your mind and he throws gas on that spark and that spark of darkness becomes a wildfire that burns through your heart and mind and your relationships where you are in despair and you make stupid, evil decisions, because he's a liar, but God has Satan on a short leash, so you don't have to be afraid of him, don't underestimate him, don't overestimate him, but don't be afraid, because you contradict and counteract the lies of Satan with the truth of God, with the truth of God and you speak the mighty name of Jesus out loud over everything that you're feeling, and you go in the name of Jesus, all authority is in his name, and you speak that over what you're feeling out loud. And you watch. It's not a magic wand, I promise you. It's not just an easy button, but you practice that and you watch as you counteract lies with the truth, as you don't underestimate Satan, but don't overestimate him. You don't underestimate your feelings and you walk in the truth. You watch how that brings light. Just watch how it brings light. It's not going to fix it automatically, although sometimes his name is pretty powerful. Although sometimes, speak it out loud. forth walk by faith towards God's light. When you're caught in physical darkness, what do you do? You, you reach for lights, right? So if you're caught in darkness inside, what do you do? You walk towards the light. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. You walk towards him. You believe in him. Now faith is being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. So I walk towards him, and I believe he is light. His word is truth. I trust what he says, not what I feel. I trust in his promises, not what I think is going to happen in the future. I trust in his forgiveness, not in the mistakes I've made today or in the past. I trust in him, and I walk by faith in him. And that starts to bring light into the darkness. It's not an easy button. It's not a magic wand. But you start practicing walking by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith and not by feelings. And you watch how that begins to bring light. And lastly, you trust the light of others. We desperately need other people to hear our darkness and help us with our darkness. So when I can't see, I have to say to my wife, hold my hand and lead me out. I can't see. You might not have a wife or a husband that you can do that with, but you can say to your therapist, your mentor, your best friend, your coworker, your small group leader, I can't see. Grab my hand. Reach. Grab a hand and say, lead me out of this because I can't get out myself. I keep turning myself in more dark and dark holes. Lead me out. I need to trust the light of someone else. Trust the light of your sponsor. Trust the light of your mentor your counselor. Trust the light of your medical doctor, your psychiatrist, your psychologist. Trust the light of someone else when you can't see. And when your doctor tells you to take your medicine, take your medicine. When your pastor tells you to take your medicine, take your medicine. Because that's how God leads us out of darkness. Will it happen automatic all quick? Maybe. Maybe but maybe over weeks and months you're gonna find you're in a new and different place. I have a really old, old friend. I mean, this guy's as old as dirt. He hangs out around here so you might recognize him. His name is Ron, he's really wise and really old and I learn a ton from wise old people and he had a situation in his life that radically altered the trajectory of his heart and his, just his entire existence. And I want you to see his story and see if you can relate. So I was driving home from a math conference
1: in Harrisburg, just a mile from home, and uh, a drunk driver hit me at 80 some miles an hour. And I was unconscious for some time. In fact, the first words I heard were, this one is still alive and they proceeded to try to cut me out of the wreckage. Honestly, I felt dread like I've never felt before or since. I could taste it. A man with a clerical collar now down. I was hanging upside down for quite a while, and, and, uh, and I asked him, you know, am I going to get out of here? Because it was clear from the workers around me, they didn't know I could understand what they're saying, that there's no way I was going to get out of this alive. And, and I asked him. And he said, uh, uh, sure buddy (laughs) with a no written all over him. And, uh, so I, I commented that your face answered my question and he left. Once I knew how bad this was, even just losing what I thought were both legs. Uh, I, I didn't want to put Sue through that. So dying was my preference and, uh, And in and out, I was talking with God, but just so calmly, but honestly, I don't remember anything I specifically said. It was just the comfort of God's right there with me. The only thing I remember was I did say, I didn't expect to see you this early in my life. I still can't believe the calm, calmness of that. Talking to God, uh, like he was sitting in the seat next to me, just talking god can handle any even the bad thoughts that go through my mind i mean god is so much bigger than any of this so much bigger than anything i can begin to comprehend i mean when i tell you that i understand god then i don't understand god he can i'm convinced from everything that's happened in my life he can handle absolutely anything and again and my prayer is that I walk in that light. And, and at this point, I mean, I've had a phenomenal life. I mean, people have gone through worse than this. I've had a phenomenal life and I wouldn't have missed it. We celebrated 59 years yesterday. So I uh, wouldn't have missed it for the world and she wouldn't have. And I think it's drawn us closer together. Given that experience, and you don't have to have this experience to do it, but given that experience, just an acute realization that God is in charge. And probably because of all that, when I am struggling, honestly, that's such a deep seated sense that God is in control of it. It changes the way I pray, what I pray for. I don't pray for little things that tend to occupy our prayers. I, more than anything, I pray that he would be glorified, that he'd be glorified in the way I die, uh, that he'd be glorified in everything I do.
0: And I know, it's like, you give me a happy ever after story. Why well, the happy ever after story? It's like, yeah, except you don't know that every day of this man's life for the last six decades, he's in debilitating pain. And yet the joy of the Lord, he's no victim. The pain he's experiencing daily is real, and he's bringing that to God. And as he brings that to God, God works in him and transforms him. So if you go up to my old friend, Ron, the last thing you'll notice is the pain he goes through. And probably for all of you, like you're not gonna get hit by a drunk driver, probably. But there are ways that your life has been destroyed by someone else's stupidity. And there's probably ways you've destroyed other people's lives because of your stupidity. And you've been the source of pain to someone else or someone else has brought pain and darkness into your life. What you do with that matters. You can stuff it. You can avoid it. You can numb it. You can pretend that it's decades old. It'll go away by itself. Or you can express it to God. You can ask him to help you. And you can try to understand what it's for and why this thing has entered your life. C.S. Lewis wrote this little book called The Problem of Pain. And in it, he quotes this to help me understand what is going on in darkness and pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone. And so when we find ourselves in these dark moments where there's pain and he feels like he's not there, am I going to trust him by faith? Am I going to believe he's listening, he cares? Am I gonna trust that he's gonna answer when he wants, the way he wants, he's God, he's gracious, he's kind, always. Or am I just gonna numb stuff, avoid, and pretend like it's gonna go away And so I bring all of myself to God, even my darkness. And I invite him into that. And when I do that, I hear his voice and he leads me out. And so the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. I'm not saying that every pain and darkness you feel is because of the devil. But have you asked the question that maybe something you're going through has something to do with that? Well, resist it and flee, but more important, come near to God, and he will come near to you. He is close, so close, and he loves you. Would you pray with me? Father, right now, in the sound of my voice, there are people that are held down by darkness. Maybe a darkness that's been there since they were born. Maybe the darkness of trauma. Maybe the darkness of schizophrenia or bipolar. Maybe a clinical depression or anxiety or fear that's just holding them back. They can't get out from underneath it. Maybe a darkness of choice because of sinful, willful arrogance or a desire to numb and escape Whatever reason we find ourselves in darkness, you're not absent from us. If we go to the highest heavens, you're there. If we go to the lowest parts of the world, of our hearts, of our minds, you're there too. You love us. You care for us. So in the powerful name of Jesus, eradicate darkness in the family of God here at Faith Church, online and on campus. In Jesus' name, drive out darkness, despair, addiction, suicidal thoughts, trauma. God, help us to listen to our counselors and our therapists. Help us to take our medicine. Help us to pursue mentors and light from other people that we don't have the light and we get it from somebody else. Help us to trust the light of others when we can't see it ourselves. And would you deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.